save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And good morning. Half of South Carolina, most of Western North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, all of you guys out there. Good morning. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. But of course. Good morning again, sir. Good morning. You know, on uh, on Memorial Day, that this is one of the most confusing holidays for people. That most most don't really know what it is, do they? No, and and the media does not help with that. No, um, there is a difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day and Armed yeah. Forces Day. Yeah, they are all different. And I mean, uh, just to give you some sense of scale, uh, you know, like in World War II, we lost the equivalent of Greenville. In World War II, mm-hmm. 405,000 people killed during World War II. American Civil War, 234,000 people killed. And these, and and this is a circumstance under which it happens. You know, you got you got kids, kids, right? Children, yes. yeah, teenagers, mm-hmm. 19, 18, 19, yep. 20, 20, something. You know, yep. Because this is it. Truly, is a young man's game. Combat is a, is an athletic pursuit. Unfortunately, uh, the, the way they're stopping the, the the extension of the way football works is when we're trying to move the ball down the field, they're lobbing things at us that blow us apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is for those guys. This is those guys that were in combat. These guys that trained to be in combat. The military is a very dangerous thing to be involved in at any given time. Just just manu- practicing. Just practicing is, I mean, is deadly. As they, you know, sadly, we found out this, uh, you know, um, this young man from Aiken that's lost his life in a non-combat accident yeah. involving a vehicle. Yeah. You know, we we thank him for his sacrifice and his family for and you know for his service and his sacrifice there. But um, just training can take a life. When when I was the training NCO at my, in my company at uh, Fort Campbell. I got a call one day. They said, Sergeant, we want you and some of your people to stay, Bo. I was like, that's terrific. What is it? They tell me. They said, well, it's a helicopter operation. We were at Fort Campbell. Everything was a helicopter operation. So I said, that's fine. When, where do you want us? So we go there, and I didn't know what stay, Bo, is. Stay, Bo, is uh, you hook up into a harness, like mm-hmm. a parachute harness. Okay. But it has a D-ring on the back of it, or an O-ring, as they would call it. And then a Blackhawk comes by very casually with a line hanging underneath it, 90 feet long, with a bunch of other O-rings on it. We hook up to those, and then, oh, they take off flying with us at 500 feet. Yeah. If you're not, if you don't know what stay Boeing is, of course, you go, you go up without goggles on. And then as you're flying at 100 knots and you're trying to see mm-hmm. forward, yeah. it's blowing the tears out of your eyes, and you have a salt trail going across the back of your face. And then in the safety briefing, which they were, you know, the crew chiefs of the Blackhawks would be the same guys, same rank as me. They'd come up and say, all right, Sarge, here's what we're going to do. If we do have a aerial emergency, we're going to try to cut you loose over the trees. And I was like, oh, man, 
Okay. Well, gee, thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. Because they're going to fly us. At 500 feet, when you're dangling underneath a helicopter, everything below you looks like a checkerboard at 500 feet. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so they would do that. And, I mean, I, we uh, in, when I was in West Germany, we used to. Uh, my first time out in the field, they get out there and they're like, go show him the four-deuce mortars. And that 4.2-millimeter mortar. So they get out there and they drop one. And I hear him go, hang, fire. Then I hear somebody yell, short round, and I don't know what that means. And I'm like, what does that mean? Somebody snatches me by my, because uh, it was a live fire, they snatched me by my harness and pulled me face first into the mud. And it went off about 20 meters in front of us because wow. it just launched and lobbed and fell. Yeah. And had that person not been there, I would have gotten a face and a chest full of shrapnel because it peppered mm. the berm we were behind. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so it's a day. Communication is always important. It is. It is. And uh, I mean, I've, I've seen people get killed. I saw one, one kid get killed when we just went to go get rations in Germany. As he was backing up the truck, he got crushed by the truck. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, and it's for these people that, because all of these guys, that's, especially during my era, because I was part of the volunteer era. Mm hmm. And everybody out there today that has died recently, all of the Afghanistan uh, veterans and all of Iraq. the Iraq War yeah. veterans and uh, everything going forward since, I guess, probably Grenada mm-hmm. Pretty much. Ha- has been volunteer. And uh, so these these kids, they give their entire life to the uh, to the service of the country because they have control over every single moment of their day. Yeah. And uh, in that. There, what happens to them is as a it, it's a mechanism of protecting the nation. Everybody there really believes they're protecting the nation. I did. I believe that I was standing on the hill looking looking out over the bad guys while you guys were back here in the rear in, in the United States sleeping contently, not even knowing what was going on. So today is for those guys that died doing it. And it doesn't matter if they died in combat or right. if they died in training. Yes. It, they died doing in service it. to our country. Yeah, and that—that's what this is for. So, I appreciate all, on the text line. I've gotten a good a few. Uh, thank you for your services. This particular uh, this particular holiday is not for me. Yeah, it is not for me. People like me that are walking around. It's for people like me. I uh, the way I I think about the people I know that have died in training. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a the way I got out of the military was so messed up <laughs> because they told us that we were going to uh, the next hot spot was going to be Haiti after Panama, right? Mm-hmm. And then they told us that all of us that were on the E6 list list were never going to make E6, which was staff sergeant, because uh, they were going to start cutting, cutting, cutting because of the budget cuts. All right. So they said, uh, every every one of you that's on the E6 list that wants to get out early, you can. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, if this is as far as I'm going to go, this I'm not going to be one of these guys that's an E5 with 15 years in service. Let yeah. me out of here. Yeah. And I held up my hand. So I got out. 30 days after I got out, Iraq invaded Kuwait. Hmm. And yeah. my my unit, my military intelligence unit, we were the four deployed Arabic Military intelligence unit. And I begged them to take me back at any rank. And they wouldn't. And it wasn't because of what I was and or the way I got out. Because I got out with a, with a, yeah. with a honorable discharge. Right. 
But uh, it was because they had cut back, mm-hmm. and they were not going to let anybody back in. Yeah. As um, Rumsfeld said, you go to the army with the, go to the war with the army that you have. That's right. That's right. And it's uh, some of these things. Uh, this and I guess the difference between a person that serves and a person that doesn't is the person that serves learns to accept. They learn to accept their circumstance. They learn mm-hmm. to accept what's about to happen. They learn to accept what they've got to do. Yeah. And they learn to accept what might happen when they do what they've got to do with the things they've got to go do. And that's not an easy state of mind to come to. No, and and even for a person of your generation, because I think that many Americans of your generation, my generation, and and earlier, that's always been the American way, is that you, you do the absolute best with whatever you have. It may not be sufficient. It may not be enough. But you find a way to make it happen. And I just don't get that feeling with these other generations that have followed us that there's always been some excuse about why you can't make it happen or whom you can blame when it doesn't go right. Right. And, I mean, uh, one of the things about it is uh, one of the things I realize now, for example, is that uh, some of these people that join the Army nowadays, they they do it based upon what they think they're going to get out of the Army for being in the Army. Yeah. And the, uh, the the truth of the matter, in my experience, is that if you get out and you do anything with your life that goes beyond being homeless, it is very it is it it seems to be sort of difficult to get out there and actually partake. Like I've never taken I'm, I'm not I'm, I've never been to a VA hospital. I do not have a VA home loan. I have I've never partaken of any of the stuff they promised me I'd get to do. Yeah. Because I simply. Uh, you know, when I was out, I was out, mm-hmm. and and that was it. But this this is for the for the fallen today. Yes, as always. It was stimulating, sir. I'm going to tell you the difference that makes the memorialized so special. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. You know, one of the things that I, I I really wish occurred in education was would be the teaching of these dead military personnel. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Like everybody should have to read Audie Murphy's To Hell and Back. Audie Murphy entered the military as a nothing private, rose to the rank of lieutenant. Purely by attrition. Fully engaged in every fight. Then he came out of it, and he he had his issues and everything, but he became an actor. But he was quite the mouse of a man. He wasn't, you know, to look at him, you would not think this was Rambo or anything else. If every school child were tasked about learning about the lives and the deaths of these people, they would understand this. Because somebody who goes through military training... Besides acceptance, they also it all comes down to how they react to outside stimuli. 
And I've seen a few people in the civilian world that I would have loved to have had on my in my squad. I would have loved to have had Kyle Rittenhouse and Eli Dickens and Anthony Melly. Because those young men showed a presence of mind and a maturity that you can't teach. Because the the additional part of uh of how you react to outside stimuli is also uh, what you do in the reaction. Because soldiers that win wars actually sort of enjoy the fight. Sad to say. They enjoy the fight. And um, people who become this way, these veterans that you walk around on a daily basis that you you don't really know what they've been around because they don't really talk about it too much but what they've what they've done is based upon their outside stimuli in a very short period of time they could reassimilate to what they were they might not be as fast but they would be they would become what they were which was aware i mean i'm talking awareness in a 360 degree uh, sweep all the time and it's all based upon what is drilled into you, this expectation that this is going to happen. So when we were learning basic rifle marksmanship, we would sit in the prone for hours, pulling the trigger as our as our partner would balance a quarter on the end of the barrel. And we had to pull the trigger to where the quarter didn't move, where it didn't fall off of the barrel. And that's how we learned to pull a trigger. At any given time, even when I was in advanced individual training, they would scream, somebody would scream grenade, and then they'd be looking around to see who was on the deck. Because with it, when somebody drops a grenade, you got a few seconds to maybe save part of you. And they'd be looking and seeing which way, like if they, so if they're standing to your left, your feet had better be facing the left when you hit the deck. And if you weren't hitting the deck fast enough to give yourself a bloody nose, you were probably getting killed. In the real world. So it was all drilled into us. This awareness, this reaction, this the way we react outside stimuli. And a in another example, like if you're in the middle of the night and you get up and you get something to drink and something and suddenly your dog comes out of the dark looking at you, that's not startling. Right? Now, somebody else might actually throw their hands up, and if they have a glass of milk or something, they might throw the glass of milk up in the air and everything. Being startled, and, and that's the difference. See, the reason I would want an Eli Dickens, the reason I would want an Anthony Melly or a Kyle Rittenhouse is by the way they handle themselves in the face of hell. Anthony Melly, if you don't know who that was, this was a kid at Clackamas Mall in Oregon when a assailant got out there, pulled a weapon out in the food court, killed two people, wounded a third, and was walking down the middle of the mall uh, looking for the next victim. Knowing this, Anthony Melly had taken his girlfriend and everybody else in the store and had them headed out the back door, and he pulled out his concealed carry weapon, a Glock 22 in 40 caliber, and took up a position of cover and made himself known. And the rampage killer went into an access hallway and killed himself. Eli Dickens saw another rampage killer out there shooting uh, in a food court and shot at him at 40 yards, 43 to be exact, Ten rounds, eight hit of them hitting him. And, of course, Kyle Rittenhouse, he got out there with a weapon, 17 years old, and he's in the middle of a, a bunch of people keying in on him, killing him, and he repelled them all successfully. 
And he got up and got out of the fight. That's the kind of thing you want. You want somebody that gets in there and when they hear the trouble, they don't think trouble run. They think trouble run to it. When these people die in the service of your country, they die fighting. It's not some gentle acceptance of death is the way it is. They, they breathe their last breath as hard as they can, trying to grip, trying to hold on one more second. And the people, that the medics and everybody that's trying to save them are doing everything. They're pulling out every stop they know, every trick to try to save them, to stop the bleeding, to keep the airway open, to keep them moving, to keep everything running. Get them on the bird. Get them in the hospital. If he's still breathing, if he's still, if he's still got a pulse when he get there, we're going to save him. They fight that fight, and everybody involved in it, from the person that is wounded to the doctors that get a hold of them, they do everything they can to save them. And when they die, they die fighting. They were fighting for you when they got wounded, and then they died due to their wound, fighting to try to get back in the fight. And that's what we memorialize today. That's the kind of person we memorialize. And most of them, we never know what they did. We never know. We never know where they're from. We never know who loved them. We never know who, who depended on them. But what we do know is that if if they were in uniform, then their buddies, their people that they were serving with, they depended on him. They loved him. They missed him. And they kept on going after they lost him. And these are the kind of people that you celebrate today. It's a very simple thing. It's it's not one of these things where you get out there and you you know you don't thank me for my service. My service was voluntary. I did it. I would do it again. I felt that I, I heard the call. I didn't go for the GI Bill. I didn't go for any of the the, the, the VA loan. I went because I thought we were going to war. I, I I joined right after the bombing of the barracks in Beirut. So today, when you sit there, you should celebrate the life that was made possible for you by the sacrifice of people you're never going to know who they were, you're never going to know where they came from, and be content in the knowledge that they either voluntarily or involuntarily put on the uniform and went somewhere to do some things that you don't ever want to see. And right now, today... The, 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 the remnants of the ones that survived all of that stuff, they're around you today. And there will be a time to celebrate them. And when that time comes, celebrate them. And ask them to tell you a story. Just any story. And you'll be surprised. Even if they're a cook, they'll have stories. Because everybody goes through the same thing to get to where they are in the military. Character. The life blood, the lifeblood of this nation, bleeds and is celebrated today. How are the primaries going to go? This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. All right, so 
the race for the Republican nomination has gotten real now. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five. 0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. DeSantis is in it, and Trump now gets to deal with that. I'm being asked on the text line, Bill, what appliance place does Charlie James swear by? I have no idea. I know which one I swear by, but I don't know which one Charlie does. Anyway, back to uh, Trump. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of guys trying to get in. There are lots of guys and gals trying to get in on this. You know, we got uh, the, the East Dakota guy or whoever that is. Another joke of Asa-like proportions. Then you got Ron DeSantis who draws in $8.2 million in a day. And, you know, we've got Trump. Well, Trump. Trump is Trump is going through a little PTSD. His truth social meltdowns are even more co- incoherent than normal. And then you have the insane ramblings of uh, some of his superfans. And Trump should be nervous because DeSantis has a good chance of winning winning the nomination. You know, to be honest with you, it's no lock. Now the left and the press. They've made sure that Ron DeSantis has name recognition. Of course, Trump has name recognition. He also has inertia. He can win the nomination. It may be said that he is likely to win the nomination, but it's an uphill fight for him despite his current poll position because the polls this early don't mean nothing. He, above anybody else, should know that. Now, on the text line, I'm being asked, why does why did the Bushes back DeSantis? The Bushes probably back DeSantis because he is a Trump. But there's no telling with them, and I don't really care who the Bushes back, especially not Jeb. Um, all of the other ones that are out there right now, Nikki and Mike and Tim and Vivek and the rest of you, the, all of the, all of them are just asterisks without footnotes. However, Vivek, I want Vivek to stay on the bench because I have a. I'm thinking he might turn out to be something special. Right now, this time around, all of them though they are irrelevant. This is Trump v. DeSantis. And when they get into the octagon, they need to bang on each other hard. We need to see a vigorous. Painful, bruising, bloody primary. Now, they're, they're, so what? 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 What are the possibilities of this? Well, one would be that Trump just glides on to victory. You know, just trust the polls all you want, and I want even when they tell me what I want to hear. I, I distrust them. But right now, Trump's lead is dominant right now in the pluralistic sense. He's got about 50% of the GOP support, and DeSantis has about 20%. And that's good for his chances in the primary, but in the macro sense, an ex-president with only half of his party support is a disaster. If we cannot muster all the troops for whoever the nominee is, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. Even 
Biden is doing better among Democrats than Trump is among Republicans. And his sole competition is, you know, the Kennedy retread. And because he went on Tucker on one of Tucker's last shows, now everybody's out there fawning over him like he's, I don't know, like he's John F. Now, the GOP base could decide that it wants more Trump, and it could nominate him and get him good. And uh, that, that'd be gay. In, in that case, the numbers don't budge, or Trump even moves ahead, and by next fall, this competition becomes a coronation. But I'm not so sure that's going to happen. And that's because I'm not sure many of the folks outside of us, very online people, have really started to care yet. Some of you have gotten on Twitter and seen the battles, the pitch battles between the Trumpies and the DeSantonites. It's pretty ugly, but that's kind of how elections go. They get ugly. Sometimes, like this time, they've gotten stupid. And there's a coherent case to be made for Trump, and there are a lot of people that make it. I've, I've made it. But it isn't the sanctimonious as an establishment globalist neocon who loves George Soros, Paul Ryan, and all the Bushes. And also, he's disloyal and a meatball, and he's, and here's a meme where Trump is kicking him. That's just not how it's going to work. This is stupidity. This is not based on fact. This is not based on any fact pattern presented in any simple way. There's no sugarcoating this. The reality is that these two share most of the same general policies. DeSantis has his policy track record, and Trump would govern with a nearly identical template should he win. So, there's a few questions here. One, can Trump win the general election? Two, can he govern effectively if he does? And three, do you want to put up with another four years of Rosie O'Donnell tweet wars? And that's the foundation of the DeSantis campaign's primary attack on Trump. Not that neither will bother any of the other candidates, because none of them really exist, except as a consultant fee generation concept. And since the hits on DeSantis are so insubstantial, Trump's attack on DeSantis really boils down to, he's not me. Plain and simple. And why wouldn't we expect that? Many of the people who want Trump as a president want Trump. It's not about his policy, it's about the man. They don't care if he's running as a Republican. They don't care if he's running as a conservative. They want Donald Trump. Do the rest of the GOP voters think that way? <laughs> the, other, the other way this can go is that the GOP electorate starts actually auditioning the candidates, which is what we should be doing right now. Uh, right now, Trump is the name at the tip of the tongues of a lot of us who have not really thought about the primaries yet, what that means beyond the primary, what that means in the general election. So he's got the advantage right now being the default candidate, which he's never been before. This is a new thing for him. Um, what happens when, if you take a really close, critical look at this? No. What happens then? What if you ask those questions that I just asked? And if that happens then Donald Trump is no longer being coordinated. He has to work for that for that particular nomination. And that takes money, and it's not clear how much he's going to raise, and that takes energy. And while he's not like Biden at all, he's old, he's 76, and say 76 may be the new 66, but that's still 66. Plus, he might be on 
in one or more trials, if not jail, because they're trying to frame him. And while no American politician has suffered any greater injustice or, and fraud attempt as Donald Trump, this is going to be a huge drag on his ability to campaign. The other way is if the Republicans look at the candidates and answer the three questions, can he win, will he govern, and can we tolerate his antics? If he goes no, no, and no, if they do, they have decided that Ron DeSantis is the answer. Trump has about a 47% general election ceiling. Over half of America hates him too much to vote for him, no matter how awful Grandpa Badfinger is. And we do not know what DeSantis is. We do know that he clearly governs effectively and doesn't hire the Mooches and the Omarasos and the Rays and the other losers with notable exceptions. Trump does. And nobody knows how DeSantis feels about Rosie O'Donnell, which why would we? So if the answers to those questions are no, then it is time to move on. And that's okay because we were always going to move on. That doesn't mean that if you go for DeSantis, that doesn't mean you... I like Trump. I still like Trump. But I, this isn't about the man. It's not. A, this isn't a popularity contest for me. You know, we've got to get... If, if some of this stuff that he's doing is trying to vindicate his wounded ego over 2020, that's the wrong reason. That's the wrong reason. And we're going to see. We're going to see what the GOP base wants to do. Maybe they hand him the baton, or maybe Trump gets a gold watch and becomes a statesman, a revered man who got out there and actually changed the way government works. And we're going to watch DeSantis' numbers. If they rise, they rise. If they stall, then we're going to see something else. Trump is winning. Look for the enemy to double their effort to frame him. And if Trump is losing, look for him finding a face-saving way to drop out of the race. This is going to be a this is going to be a four wheel drive bumpy ride. So put on your seatbelt, put on your helmet, and embrace the suck. When's he, when we get back, you know, it'd be sometimes Lindsey Graham should just go away. He should just go away. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. So I see these two things here, and I, uh, I, you know, this is this is really very is very uh, emblematic. If emblematic, it it shows me what the problem is. <laughs> the GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. You got to be very quick on your feet when you're on radio when you start messing up the words. Got to be very quick. So on the one hand, I see this text. DeSantis will not clean house in his first four years. And that is the problem. We have at least one chance to sweep D.C. clean, and only Trump can do it. Um, so my question to the texter was, if DeSantis is the nominee, would he vote for him? And I never got an answer to that. Now, we can look at, we, we can look at, see, Trump changed the dynamic of what the presidency is. 
the presidency became much more of an active thing. Now, Obama, Obama did it to a certain degree, but nothing like Trump did. Because Trump knew that he had to get out front and he had to lead the way. And the thing, what, what was Trump up against? Well, Trump was up against stuff like this, like Lindsey Graham. He got, this was his take. And, I mean, this was completely uh, something that could have been, we, we could have completely done without it there, Lindsey. I don't know why he got out there. He said on TV, he said, number one, I respect Kevin McCarthy. I want to raise the debt ceiling. It would be irresponsible not to do it. I want to control spending. I'd like to have a smaller IRS. I'd like to claw back the unused COVID money. I know you can't get the perfect, but what I will not do is adopt the Biden defense budget and call it a success. Kevin said the defense is fully funded. If we adopt the Biden defense budget, it increases defense spending below inflation. 3.2% increase in defense is below inflation. That's the hill you die on. Hey, Lindsay, that's the hill you die on. He isn't mad that McCarthy's cutting defense spending. He's mad that he isn't increasing enough for his tastes. Yeah, we're $31 trillion in debt, but no, no, don't mind about that. We, we'll just build enough carriers to ensure our economy doesn't collapse in on itself or something. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm for a very strong military budget, but right now I think most Republicans are. But, you know, the Department of Defense has failed its fifth straight audit. We're, we got to open there. Open mic. Anyway. They have failed their fifth straight audit and can't account for up to 60% of their budget. I tend to think continuing to hand out blank checks is not going to be the solution. So why doesn't he call for more accountability instead? And I want you to think about that. 60% of the money, they cannot tell you where it went in, in the Department of Defense. How about if you put up some guardrails on, on, on waste and fraud? Would, would that save some money? And maybe that would be enough to clean, that we could cover the cost of inflation that Graham is so worried about. You know, 60% of the money that they've been getting up to this point. And he never suggests the military do better, which is what they should, that should be the suggestion. He just wants to keep shoveling more and more money into the black hole. And he's not alone within the GOP. He just happened to be the one they got on TV with Shannon Bream on the on the Fox Channel, Fox News. We've got other Republicans insisting we can't make basic reforms to Social Security, to, despite it by far being the biggest driver of the national debt. And aside from the Rand Pauls and the Chip Roys, most of the GOP is con- content to keep spending like a drunken pirate all the time. No matter what the issue is. So, there you have it. It wasn't because of the deal. It wasn't because this is going to increase the national debt to right at $36 trillion. It's already at $100,000 for every man, woman, and child in the United States today. The And this, this debt, by the way, this debt... This is like my bonsai trees. My bonsai trees will outlive me if I take really good care of them. That's what I want them to do. I want them to live beyond my generation. And this debt that these guys are driving up, it will live beyond. This will be their legacy. Hey, Lindsey Graham, what would you do? Well, I spent money like a drunk pirate. Boy, you couldn't even tell where the limits were. 
I was constantly spinning and dollar bills were flying out of me like I was a money gun gone amuck. So, that's his hill to die on. We need more ships. Okay, fine. We need more ships. Find that 60% of the money that was lost. Coming up next, it is the Dana Show. Happy Memorial Day. Remember what it is about, please, if you would. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.